Well, Vineyard family, it's great to be with you. If I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Kurt. I am one of the pastors here, and we are continuing in our series for this season in the church that's referred to as Lent, which is the 40 days, not counting Sundays, that leads us from Ash Wednesday to Easter weekend. And so what I want to do is I want to ask you to um, get something to write with or a digital device that would put this on your calendar. I want to just tell you about a couple important dates that are coming about how we're trying to steward the life of God together in community. Holy Week begins next Sunday, and so we will gather here Palm Sunday. We hope that you can come, maybe invite a friend. We are excited and just anticipating how the presence of God continues to be among the people of God. And Palm Sunday will invite us to really connect to the story of Jesus. Palm Sunday. Good Friday, you are invited here. We are going to have a beautiful art display. It's going to be Stations of the Cross. It's going to be self-guided where there's communion, and you can come. There are two different time windows for our Good Friday experience. Um, those details are in your program. They are online. Uh, we would love for you to come if, that'll, if your schedule can allow for Good Friday, and it's sort of just a come at your own pace in the two windows that we will have open here and it's just a time to reflect and to, again, move towards Jesus as you can understand the love of God moving towards you and what he did in laying down his life. So, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, where we will celebrate the resurrection life, that the story of God and the good news of God is that he has conquered death. He has overcome sin and the grave, and because of that, we can step into the story of God in amazing ways. Invite a friend. We'll have two services, 9 and 11. So we've got Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. One of the things I want to let you know about Holy Week that's sort of special here at the Vineyard is that week we call it our Live Generously campaign. Every dollar we receive in financial giving, just like some of you expressed in your worship just not too long ago, every dollar we receive that week goes out to ministry partners and to ministries outside of our church. We give it all away. And this kind of Live Generously week, we were focusing on the next generation and on caring for the poor and showing mercy. And so we are going to be, uh, our partner, Homes with Hope, is a foster and adoption agency here in Houston. We will be continuing our partnership with them, blessing them, Young Life, Youth for Christ. There are places we are going to help the hungry be fed. So just know, if you're inviting a friend to church on Sunday and we talk about money, we're giving it all away. Because here's the thing, we want to practice as a church community what we recognize you are practicing as followers of Jesus and learning how to live generously in your own life. We want to do the same. So just know that. And then I want to give you the end of the month, the end of April. We have got an amazing day, April 30th, actually April 29th and 30th, that weekend. The 29th, we are doing a church-wide Serve Saturday. Here, we're partnering with Houston Welcomes Refugees to create welcome kits for people who have been displaced. Houston is the single greatest destination in the world for refugee relocation. And so we are going to uh, take Saturday to serve uh, by creating welcome kits for those who are... Uh, finding a new home in a place that's not their own. And that's on Saturday. And then Sunday, April 30th, baptisms and barbecue. It's going to be real barbecue. We're not saying barbecue and then serving hot dogs. All right? It is real barbecue because we are in Texas and that matters. But if you are finding life in Christ and you have made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've never experienced the spiritual milestone of baptism, 
we want to invite you to sign up to experience baptism as part of a church family on that day. And that might be, uh, we have seen kids who have given their life to Christ, 8, 9, 10 years old, participate in baptism, teenagers and adults. And so we just want you to know that Sunday, April 30th, you can sign up for baptism if you've never experienced that. We will do that right here during our service, and then we will stay for a meal. And all we ask you to do is RSVP and invite all your friends and family. Have them RSVP, and we will provide the meal. Sound good? So we've got Holy Week, and then we're celebrating the culmination of that with a big party, baptisms, and barbecue. And I just want you to know about it so you can be a part of it because you are the ones that give life to this place. The life of God in you and through you is what brings life to a local church. And we're going to talk about what that life looks like. We've been in this series called The Collision, and what we've been seeing is that Jesus experiences real opposition in the desert. Anybody ever had a desert experience in your life? You're alone. It's hot. There's no food. There's no water. You feel lost. You feel like God is not there. The thing that I love about Jesus is Jesus says, I know what you're going through because I've lived it. The thing that I love about Jesus in the desert in the Gospel of Luke is that there is a real spiritual collision. There is a real battle that unfolds, and so we should not be surprised when we experience that in our life. And most importantly, we should remember that God is there because it says Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, and led by the Holy Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit, the part of the Trinity, is with Jesus the whole time. Let that just sink into your desert story, where maybe the the story you told yourself is God was not there. God had abandoned me in the wilderness. That's actually the spiritual lie the enemy wants you to believe. And yet the scriptures and the life of Jesus tell us something different. And so the thing that I hope that we can discover today is what we do with our desert experiences when we find ourselves no longer in the desert, which is also the hope of the gospel. (laughs) Good news. We don't forever live in the wilderness. We don't forever live in the desert season, in the desert place, because God is making all things new and right and good. And so I just want to remind us sort of this series to catch you up, if maybe this is your first Sunday with us, is that we as a kingdom of God community must embrace the reality of following Jesus into the desert. We don't want to resist the desert experiences. We want to follow God wherever he might lead. Learning to live in the wilderness and understand the spiritual battle is key in this life. We need to awaken to the reality of the spiritual battle, the collision that we find ourselves in. And when we learn to follow Jesus, we're following Jesus in a way that he has gone before us. The kingdom of God collides with the kingdom of Satan, and our lives are often the soil of that struggle. And that's just real and possibly uncomfortable for you today. <laughs> but here's what I want us to know. When I, just, when I use my own eye test for the world, we actually need to have an understanding of God and the scriptures and, and the world that make sense of the fact that there is evil, make sense of darkness, make sense of sort of the destructive realities that are in play, that make sense of pride and fear and anger and hate. 
And we need to become discerning people. What I love about Jesus in the desert is he was remarkably discerning. He was remarkably discerning. Temptation is real. And if it came for Jesus, it'll come for me because I'm probably an easier target. And God is with us. God is with us. And so today I want us to consider how we might live more into this story of the kingdom of God as it comes to us. And so what I would like to do to just give us another little recap look at this is the Bible Project created a little video. And so I want you all to watch this video. And this is going to look at Luke 3 and 4, and we're going to be hanging out in Luke 4 today. So check out this video from the Bible Project. The Gospel according to Luke began by telling us about the births of John the Baptist and Jesus of Nazareth. And in the next section of the Gospel, Luke zooms forward in time. So John is now a prophet, and he's leading a renewal movement down at the Jordan River. And all of these Israelites are coming to be baptized, the poor, the rich, tax collectors, even soldiers. Yeah, what's going on here? So all of these people are dedicating themselves to a new way of life. By getting dunked in a river? So long ago, Israel came to inherit this land by crossing through the Jordan River. And God gave them a responsibility. They were called to serve him alone, to love their neighbor, and pursue justice together. And we know from stories in the Old Testament that they failed at this repeatedly. Right. So John's calling Israel to start over, to go back through the river and come out rededicated to their God, ready for the new thing that God's about to do. And so it's within this renewal movement that Jesus first appears. Jesus is baptized by John, and the sky opens up, and a voice from heaven says, You are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now, God's words here are packed with echoes from the Hebrew scriptures. This first line is from Psalm 2, where God promised that a king would come who would rule in Jerusalem and confront evil among the nations. And then this next line is from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And it refers to the Messiah who would become a servant and suffer and die on Israel's behalf. After this, Jesus goes into the wilderness for 40 days with no food. I mean, that's roughing it. And in this story, Jesus is replaying Israel's 40-year journey through the wilderness where they failed to trust their God and so they rebelled. But Jesus succeeded by resisting temptation and trusting God. And so this story is marking Jesus as the one who's going to carry Israel's story forward. After the wilderness, Jesus comes back to the region of Galilee, to his hometown, Nazareth. He's in the synagogue, and he's invited to read from the scriptures. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Why to the poor? Well, in Hebrew culture, being poor wasn't just about money. It was more about low social status, the women and children and the sick, people on the margins. Surprisingly, this could include people who had money, like tax collectors. They were considered outsiders too, and so Jesus is here for them. Then Jesus continues reading. The Lord has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Freedom seems like a big deal for Jesus. Yes, Jesus was freeing people from their sicknesses, from their past, from their shame, and he was freeing them to become a part of God's new kingdom, that Jesus said he was bringing into reality. 
The gospel according to Luke began by telling us about I don't know about you, but as I have now watched that particular clip a few times, I am aware of God's heart moving towards me and really an experience of the Holy Spirit. And I long for this freedom to come. I long for this reality of Jesus to be a greater reality in my life. And I think the thing that we're going to see today as we read the scriptures is that Jesus in the desert does some really important things for us. When he's tested by Satan, his response is God will provide, God is to be worshipped, and God is to be trusted, not tested. God will provide, God is to be worshipped, and God is to be trusted because God is faithful. And I want you to hear the faithfulness of God as Jesus steps into the synagogue much like this in Luke 4. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee, picking up in verse 14, in the power of the Spirit. Just for context, Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus returns to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. This is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What I like to refer to as a first century mic drop. The reading of this passage is anchored in the truth that Jesus knew exactly who he was and is. Luke 3, the rehearsing of his birth story. You were conceived by the Holy Spirit. You are the Messiah, the saving one, an identity that was cultivated for 30 years in his life. His baptism in this understanding that you are my son who I take great pleasure in. He knew exactly who he was, and he steps into this moment, and he reads out of Isaiah, and the hope of salvation for everyone in that moment experiences the kingdom comes. The kingdom comes, and the kingdom comes to make things right, to lift up the poor and needy, to set free those who are bound and oppressed, to heal those who are hurting. This is the kingdom of God. And we don't need to get it mixed up, and we don't need to get it twisted, and we don't need to be confused. We need to see the heart of God and understand that the kingdom of God is for goodness and for mercy and for justice and for salvation and for truth and for wisdom and for mercy and for grace so that we can know This is what our God is up to. 
The power of the Spirit on Jesus is up to setting things right where there has been wrong, to lifting people up where they have been pressed down. This is the kingdom of God at work here on the earth, and this is our story to step into. We can be kingdom people. We can be full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Spirit and live in the power of the Spirit so we can follow Jesus in what he came to do. This is good news. This is what my life needs as a community like this around me. This is what my neighborhood needs. This is what my kids need. And what I think we need to understand is that as followers of Jesus and participants in the rule and reign of God is that we can live empowered. We can live empowered by the Spirit, the same Spirit, spoiler alert, that raises Christ from the dead. We'll celebrate that in a couple weeks. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead for anyone who says, I put my faith and my hope in Jesus, it says he will pour out his spirit and fill you. You can live empowered. You can live empowered. You get to live empowered, full of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Spirit. And what I love about this is that Jesus continues to put his entire life into relationship with God the Father and God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Sorry, he is the Son. He puts it in relationship with the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. And then we're going to just watch his life demonstrate the good news, over and over and over again. If we're going to live empowered, if we're going to live as followers of Jesus, then we must proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God in our own lives. We must proclaim the good news. Wherever you're experiencing God, give you hope. Wherever you're experiencing Jesus, meet your needs. Wherever you're going, this is what my life looked like before Jesus. This is how I experienced the love of God meet me, and this is what my life is becoming That is the story we proclaim. I was blind and now I, it's a great story. It's hard to argue with that story. I was alone and God gave me a family. I don't get to argue you in like case and point and counterpoint about why you're wrong on your ideology. I get to see in the tangible reality of your life the good news of Jesus. That God's kingdom is coming. That the hope of heaven is breaking in here and now. That we would proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. I want to give us two questions to consider sort of day in and day out that help us live into this story that we see in Jesus. The first is this, what is God up to? I don't know that I pray that prayer to start most days. As I'm saying this out loud, you know, the stage and a mic kind of makes you a confessional moment. Maybe that's a good prayer to pray. God, what are you up to today? That feels all of a sudden very right and good. (laughs) What is God up to? Well, God is up to proclaiming good news to the poor. God is up to proclaiming freedom to the prisoner. God is up to the blind recovering their sight and the oppressed being set free. That is the God of Scripture. 
What is God up to? And the thing I want to encourage all of us in, God is up to way more than we can imagine. And God is pursuing all the people around you every single day. What is God up to? And what does this mean for us? If this is what God is up to, hope for the hurting, healing for those who need it, freedom for those who need it, the possibility of being lifted out of oppression and things being set right, what does that mean for us? If he's pouring out his spirit on the church, what does that mean for us? If we're full of the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us? I won't speak for you, but I know for me, I want the messiest things and the broken relationships and the hurt and the sorrow to be washed away in the love and mercy and grace of God. That's what I want. And when I read Luke 4, I get excited and encouraged about the kingdom of God because it's what God wants. God is compassionate, full of unfailing love and mercy. The things that you look out at the world and go, this just doesn't seem right. Have you ever considered maybe that's how God feels about it? The church of all people need to have a confidence to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God. We proclaim we are needy. We proclaim the reason we're here and a part of this community is because we got to a place of humility before God and says, God, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. So the the starting point of proclaiming the kingdom of God is we are needy people. We cannot do it on our own. We are not God, and then we live out of that humility, and we begin to let our heart break for what breaks God's heart, so we ask the question, God, what are you up to? How do you feel about what's happening in this circumstance or this situation? Help me experience your love for this person, because the scriptures over and 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 over again speak of your unfailing love. Am I living with your unfailing love today? Am I experiencing the empowering work of the Spirit today? Because again, as kingdom people stepping into the story of God, we cannot let this remain an idea that we ponder. It must become the person we follow. Jesus in the flesh confronts our propensity to want to have ideas we vet. And he gives us a person to follow. Here's what I mean. Just for those who are willing, there's no pressure. Just because you don't raise your hand doesn't mean you disagree. But when you hear Jesus read out of Isaiah 61, which we've read out of Luke 4, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How many in the room get excited and go, I want to see that? 
Yes. Okay, amen. Here's what's interesting. The people there did too. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then listen to the next part. Isn't this Joseph's son? They go from their eyes are fastened on him, and they're like, wow, this guy's amazing. Look at his words. Look at his words. I love this idea of proclaiming freedom and good news. Now, here's what's hard. If you keep reading, I'm not going to read all of it. He then begins to confront them. He confronts them, and he begins to work the Old Testament scriptures and the story of the people of God. And this is in verse 28, just right after that. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and were amazed. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up and drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. When Jesus and Christianity is an idea that I ponder, I sit above it and I go, I like this Jesus, I throw that part out. I like this idea, I discard that. I am amazed when I like Jesus and I want to throw him off a cliff six verses later. When I let go of that, and in humility I go, God, if you are real, reveal yourself to me. And I look at the person of Jesus, I am invited into the story to follow Jesus, to be full of the Spirit, which then takes authority in my life so that I can be a place and a person where the kingdom of God comes. Where the kingdom of God comes. And as I've been thinking through this for our time together today, what I've been aware of is that God's presence is just faithfully here when we meet. And we've been doing prayer ministry. We've been praying for one another. And I just want to give us some anchoring words that I think help us live into this story over and over and over and over and over again. And I see it in Jesus. And the first is welcome. Jesus welcomed relationship with God the Father, and he welcomed relationship with the Holy Spirit. He welcomed it. He spent more of his life hidden than he did public. He welcomed the kingdom of God. And when we begin to welcome God, that is a risky thing to do. Because you're humbling yourself in God's presence and you're saying, I am not God, you are. You are the one who can provide. You are the one to be worshipped. You are the one who is faithful, who is to be trusted. We welcome God to begin to pour out his love in our life. We welcome God to have authority when it comes to decision making. We welcome God in how we handle relationships and forgiveness. We welcome God into our workplace. We welcome God into our home life. We welcome God into the issues we have with our enemies. And we begin to welcome God into all of our life. And then what we have to do is we have to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, which is often we have to wait. We have to wait on God. We have to wait on the Spirit 
to lead and guide. We have to wait for dreams to be realized. We have to wait for the kingdom to come. We have to wait. And sometimes the waiting blends with the walking, and the walking blends with the waiting, but ultimately we have to walk in the power of the Spirit. We have to walk out our faith so that we're demonstrating it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, repeat. And we have to welcome God again. And we have to wait on the Spirit. And we have to wait through seasons that are hard. And we have to wait through the desert so that we can walk in the power of the Spirit. Just like Jesus. Some of you right now are going, where's the good news? The good news in all of this is God is with us, period. That's the good news of eternity. Heaven is to live eternally with God and the people of God where it's all perfect and good. I mean, that's a nice added bonus. But it's that we want to be with God, and this gives us the good news that God wants to be with us here and now, and we can welcome heaven here and now, and we can welcome the kingdom here and now, and so we become people who welcome. We become people who wait, and we become people who will walk to proclaim and demonstrate the good news to the poor, to the blind, to the oppressed. And I think what this allows us to do is see that the work of Jesus moves us from thought to action, from idea to relationship. To love God and to love people. So what I want to do is I want us to take some time to pray. I want us to pray for one another. And if that's new to you, I would just encourage you to keep your eyes open and watch. If you're familiar with it, I would also encourage you to you can keep your eyes open and you can watch what God's doing. I had the chance to go gather with um, leaders and pastors from all over the U.S. and really globally at a gathering in Orlando a couple weeks ago called Exponential. And it's a conference that's geared towards church planting and kingdom expansion. And uh, one of the speakers was talking, and he referenced this passage. And I just want you to think about the the mercy and the ministry of of God's kingdom. And I'm going to add Kurt's commentary to it. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the depressed. To the despairing. And to the hopeless. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for those crippled by anxiety and fear. And recovery of sight for the blind Recovery of life for the lifeless. Recovery of hope for the hopeless. To set those oppressed by darkness, by lies and by hate free. To set those free who need to be free because 
You've been lied to about your worth and your value. I have come so that you would know you are loved. I have come so that you would know you can be free. I have come so that you might experience mercy and unfailing love. I have come so that you, that you could experience the life that I came to give. I have come to bring the kingdom of God that you might be free. Wherever you have need, the kingdom of God is saying, I am coming. Father, Son, and Spirit are coming for you. For you. So where do you have need today? Where do you have need? I just think there could have been some really good ministry time back in that synagogue. Somebody's going, man, I've been, I've been worn out at work. I am exhausted. But no, they decided to run him off a cliff. So human of them. So human of them to just go, oh, Jesus, you're awesome. Let's kill him. That's why it has to be more than idea. He's the savior of the world. Will you allow him to be yours? Ministry time here at the Vineyard is a chance to pray for one another in the things we have needs of. We believe two really cool things. One is uh, God speaks to everyone. We actually believe God can speak to you. And we believe we, we all show up imperfect and needy and of great value to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator God. You are of great worth and value to the creator of heaven and earth. So maybe we believe in more than two things. I just added like eight things into the two things. Where do you have need today? So I'm just going to do something super simple, and this is not to embarrass, it's, it's not to shame, it's not to spotlight, but if you go, you know what, I'm here, and if Jesus is real, I need him to meet me. I just would invite you, whatever that need is, I'm, not even, I'm going to give some specifics, but if you know you came in, you go, I need an encounter with God, I'm just going to ask you to stand, and we're going to gather around you, and we're going to stand together as a community, and we're going to begin to pray. So if you just walked in, you go, I need an encounter with God, that is the most general thing I can say. Anyone who has a need and you need God to meet you today, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to begin to pray for you, and I'm going to give some additional ones. Um, if you feel poor and weak, if you are struggling and you know you need freedom because you're bound up, you're addicted to substances, you're addicted to pornography, you're addicted to selfishness, you're addicted to uh, money, like if you're addicted and you are bound up and you need freedom, we will pray for that today. If you need physical healing, we will pray for that today. If you need emotional healing, we will pray for that today. If you have felt oppressed and you need the release of God in your life to lift the darkness, to lift the heaviness, to lift whatever that oppressive weight is on you, we will pray for that today. And if you just simply go, I want the favor of God, I would love your goodness to be more evident in my life, I want to pray for that today too. So if any of that applies to you, and I recognize the entire room could stand right now. I'm just, I, I know enough about my own life to know I've captured all the categories. <laughs> but I'm serious. There is something about God. I welcome you into my life. Like, would you come? I'm just going to give you the chance to stand, and we're going to pray for you. You don't have to walk down front. You just got to stand in your seat right where you're at. While you ponder that, I'm going to give you two other specific things. Actually, three. 
This morning, I, uh, I had a, a dream as I was kind of waking up, and it was a really vivid dream for me, which was weird, and I'm just telling you that uh, for, for context. In the dream, my wife and I stepped into a cabin, and there were two big grizzly bears in the dream. And we made ourselves real big. I remember I was like, Rah! And the first grizzly bear grabs my wife and begins to, I know, I didn't get to tell you this part yet. <laughs> grabs my wife and begins to, like, attack her. I mean, what would you do, right? It's like, you realize how small you are in that moment. I mean, I tried to make myself as big as I could make. I'm no grizzly bear. And, and then the other bear was there, and then here's what actually began to happen. We began to, we began to pray and the grizzly bear turned into a human. And so I processed this with our prayer team who was here this morning, and here's what it was. In that moment, the way the prayer went in the dream is that there was bondage of anger, fear, or hate because of something that had happened to a grandmother or, or an, a loved one that's in the generation above you. And the impact has been so intense for you, you haven't been yourself and God wants to free you from the anger, the hate, and sort of the covering you've put on your life that you had to make yourself so big to protect yourself. And if that makes sense to anyone in the room, it is just God's love for you. And if that doesn't make sense to a single person in the room, that's okay. I'm just trying to risk and be faithful. Like, I don't normally get dreams like that. I overslept my alarm by like an hour and a half, and that's the window the dream happened. So... But that's how God just wants to speak directly to you to reveal his love. If that makes sense to you, you go, I've been gripped with fear, with anger, with hate because of something that happened. Well, we're going to just pray for you. So there are people standing. So here's what I want to do. If somebody's already standing, I want you to go stand by them. If you see a friend standing, if they're next to you, we're not going to let people stand alone. That's not how we do it at the vineyard. And the last thing is this. Like today, I don't know how this, I know how this has worked in my own life. I needed an encounter, encounter, encounter. There's more people standing. If you're standing by yourself and like, nobody's moving towards you, it might get confusing now. You can just like, raise your hand, make sure. We don't want anybody to stand alone. If you need prayer today and you are standing and nobody's standing by you, just raise your hand. We're going to just move around the room. This is what it looks like to be a community. If you have never begun a personal relationship with Jesus, this is what I think. I see Jesus in a personal relationship with God the Father, and that's what gives me a context for this. I need to yield my life into relationship with God. You don't have to get it all figured out. You don't have to have all the like facts about theology right before you can do that. What you realize is God has what you need, and you begin to let him give you all of his good gifts first, and you begin to just welcome him into your life. If you want that, if you want God in your life today, that is available to you, and all you have to say is welcome. God, I welcome you into my life. And if that makes sense to you, you can stand. We're going to pray for you too. So God, we just begin to pray for the people who are standing. And for those of us who are, who are watching, I just, I just ask that you would give us eyes to see your kingdom coming. God, the things that we see in Scripture, we believe are who you are, reflecting your heart and character and your work today. So we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Would you fill us? Would you meet us? Would you begin to address the needs of our lives? Say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Proclaim freedom for those who feel imprisoned. Proclaim good news to those who feel beneath and held down and 
like belittled and that there's no worth. You are of ultimate worth to God. He sent his son because he loved you so much. He's laid down his own life so that you might live. God loves you and he wants to know you in a more personal way. So we just ask that your spirit would be poured out on these people today, God. That we would be a community who not only welcome the spirit, but we are led by the spirit and we're full of the spirit. What I want to do is I want to invite us all to stand together. There were two other uh, things that kind of came as our team was praying before the service. And this is just, if you need healing, one of two things. Either you need healing because your father wounded you, or just as a father you need healing, which we were praying before and just felt like God's heart was just towards relationships with fathers today. And so if that just makes sense to you, the only way I know how to describe it is like that's just God revealing himself to you, just saying, hey, I'm here. So if you're a father, like father, being a father can be hard. And if you've been hurt, we just want to pray for your heart, for your life, for your emotions to be healed. Also, fathers aren't perfect. And if you have been remarkably wounded or hurt by your father, uh, we would just, we just believe God wants to pour out healing today in regards to that. So I'm going to read a psalm for us to close. And then if there's anything that we just, here's what I know, it's hard to stand in a room. I've been in a lot of rooms where I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Just not going to stand. I just, nope, God, you can meet me right here. But I will tell you, there is something so gracious about just feeling the love of God as somebody stands with you and it crushes the lie that you're alone. So we're going to have prayer ministry teams available here at the close, small group leaders, staff, anybody who's been trained to pray, if you would just come, and you can come and just go, you know what, I didn't really want to stand, but I know I just need to experience God meet me today. So I'm going to pray Psalm 130 over us to close our time today. Out of the depths, we cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear our voice. Let your ears be attentive to the cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, more than the watchmen wait for the morning, and more than the watchmen wait for the morning, I wait for the Lord. People of God, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem us from all of our sins. God, we give you all the glory, and we bless this community to welcome you, to wait for you, and to walk with you into every day that's ahead. And we know we need your forgiveness. We know that you are the one who can redeem us fully. So we pray that this week we would experience your kingdom come. And when opportunity comes that we would proclaim the good news of Jesus, we would demonstrate the good news of Jesus, that we might be a people who follow you with all of our lives. And we bless them in the unfailing love of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
hey, we are so glad that you are with us today. Here's the thing. If you're experiencing God meet you, you do not have to rush off. We will hang. We will linger. Grab your kids. Bring them back in. We'll be happy to continue to pray. Have a great week. We're glad you were with us.